Welcome to the Doing Epic Stuff podcast with your host, Mike Drohan. Together, we'll explore the stories and journeys of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. It's important that um, people take responsibility for developing their own mental toughness and resiliency because nobody else is going to do it for you. If you're not training yourself, the world's training you. And guess what? The world wants you to be weak. So don't let that happen. Mark Devine does not mince words. A former Navy SEAL commander who saw 20 years of service, successful author, serial entrepreneur, and host of the Unbeatable Mind podcast. In 1989, Mark was on a trajectory to becoming a professional desk jockey, having received both his MBA and CPA. But the call of the warrior was too strong. And nurtured through the teachings of Saito Karate Grandmaster Tadashi Nakamura, Mark effectively traded in his calculator for a carbine automatic. Why would one transition from comfortable number cruncher to a career where the only easy day was yesterday and a bad day could literally punch your ticket? What knowledge did Master Nakamura bestow upon Mark, which not only gave him the mental edge as an aspiring SEAL, graduating as honor man of Bud's class number 170, but also the keys to unlock a literally unbeatable mindset. Aside from all of that epic stuff, I deep dive into the mindset and methods behind the man. What I uncover challenges even my own beliefs as a lone wolf entrepreneur. Okay, beautiful. Good morning to you, uh, Mr. Mark Devine. Thank you for joining me on the Doing Epic Stuff podcast today. How are you? I'm great, Mike. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. An absolute pleasure. You were another hot guest lead passed to me by the lovely and courageous Lisa Tamadi. Uh-huh. Uh, she's, she's been awesome. like a never-ending funnel of, of excellent, interesting people to meet. So I, again, shout out to Lisa. Thank you again for a great yeah. lead. And thank you for joining me today. It's great. Yeah. Who yeah, Lisa. She rocks, man. <laughs> yeah. What fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I listened to your episode with Lisa uh, recently and yeah, the sort of stuff you guys were covering and all the topics and look, I, I mean, I could feel like any one of those could be a really interesting rabbit hole <clears throat> for us to go down because there's, there's so much that you've explored in your life already, Mark, and continue to explore. You're, you're driven, obviously, to, to see what your human potential is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I would say that's the major theme of my life starting from about 20 years old or so and it just keeps getting better and better and more and more interesting. And, you know, by the way, a natural evolution of seeking mastery is to, um, is to teach, right? So you, you can't achieve mastery without teaching. And so it's, I'm excited that at this point in my life, I am teaching and I've been doing it now for a number of years since about 2006 or so. And that just keeps getting better and better. I get, you know, I'm gaining mastery now as a teacher Right. And so I'm excited to see kind of what happens after you attain mastery as a teacher. You know, what's the next level of the game, so to speak? Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I'm thinking about recently <clears throat> this season, I decided to take on the teaching journey of teaching uh, an under 11 girls basketball team. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that sounds like a big challenge. Holy cow. <laughs> I was thinking about <clears throat> my niece didn't have a coach. So I was like, I'll step up. Let's do this. Let's boogie. Good for you. And what you were saying about, you know, mastery being able to teach things. I mean, I've also done quite a few things in my life and explored different things. And I have methods and habits and routines trying to distill them down 
to the ability to effectively communicate them to an 11 year old girl who has mm. kind of the mindfulness level of a squirrel, not so easy. <laughs> so yeah, I, I can totally, I can totally see how teaching, there is no other way than through teaching to really battle test the stuff, you know, I guess at the Absolutely. end of the day, isn't it? A lot of people miss that. They think that self mastery is a solo journey and it's not. No, it's not. It, it's it, there's two aspects to it that a lot of people miss. One is that it's a team journey, and two is that it also requires teaching, which we just talked about. And so, when you are a teacher, oftentimes the people you teach are your teammates, or um, you would begin to consider your clients slash students your teammates because you know you're all in this journey together, a journey of understanding, co-creation, and kind of unfolding um, understanding. So I think those, um, those two points are often missed by a lot of people, you know, so they, they spend a lot of time, you know, trying to consume information and sometimes they can turn that into knowledge, but rarely do they turn it into mastery because they don't do it as part of a team where you have to subjugate your ego and, and open up to the energy of the team and serve as well as, um, take the information at all levels to teach it to all different types of people. Cause you're right. Teaching an 11 year old is very different than teaching a 50 year old business person. Yeah, I think that since we're on this topic, let's riff on this a little bit because I, I feel like your experience professionally as a Navy SEAL, Navy SEAL commander, but also in businesses, there's a real parallel there, especially in the business side of things where there's this, this feel that you can do it all yourself. There's this massive upsurge of entrepreneurs. I'm one of them. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm busy doing most of the shit I'm doing day to day myself mm -hmm. and falling into this trap from time to time where I have to pull back and look at the fact that I'm trying to do everything and that trying to do everything is a recipe for failure because you can only do so many things in a day. Um, you've developed this tip of the spear program, which as I read, it was a method for creating elite teams that can unlock your full 20 times potential. And the following, this, this following quote about it really resonated with me uh, as an entrepreneur, right? This has got me thinking, I'm kind of second guessing myself a little bit because of you, Mark. So I, just bear with me. So yeah, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> After 30 years of building and forging some of the best teams in the world, here's the most important thing I've learned. If you're going through life right now as a lone wolf, trying to achieve your most important goals by yourself, you will never realize your full 20 times potential. Now that that's got me thinking because I'm doing a lot of what I'm doing by myself. I've become very good at relying upon myself. And I think the, the trap to fall into there is that you don't start seeking to grow a team and you just become a, one of these single-minded people who thinks you know everything, but then you realize without that perspective of, of a team to second guess you, you may in fact know very little and not mm -hmm. really climb the, the rungs on that ladder to mastery, which I think is what you've done, you know, systematically over your life. What, what, are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you can learn a lot and know a lot um, as a lone wolf. And it's important to know aspects of all the functions that you need to fulfill as an entrepreneur or a business leader. It's similar to like when, when I went through Buds as a a leader, like a SEAL officer, you know, we're, we're expected to be leaders. We did everything that everyone else did. We did everything, you know, that the enlisted doers did, the shooters, we call them. You know, we shot and we jumped and we dove and we, you know, learned how to 
enter houses and take down the bad guys and do small unit tactics and blow shit up. But we weren't expected to be the experts on everything. And, yep. and as soon as we learned the fundamentals, we moved on into kind of the leadership role of that. But at the same time, you know, if we were on an op, we were expected to know it well enough to not get the team in trouble. You know what I mean? So we still had to practice them, but we didn't have to practice them to the level of mastery. We had to practice the leadership and the character to the level of mastery. And so if we were so enamored with shooting, jumping, diving, swimming, you know, whatever, that we wouldn't spend time on the leadership and the character of being a master leader, um, then we would be moved out of the team. Mm, you know, and we couldn't go backwards and say, oh, yeah, no, you should have been an enlisted guy, Mark. You know, if you wanted to be a shooter, we'll, 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 you'll go backwards. You just won't get promoted and you'll find yourself out. I think it's similar as an entrepreneur. When you start, you kind of have to do everything. You're like a one-legged man in asking contests. You know, <laughs> you have to do everything because you just don't have the resources really to hire anyone else. But sooner than you think you should, it's really important to then begin to expand your team and to rely on others to do, um, do you know, some core functions that aren't yours in your wheelhouse, either because of your skill sets or because it's not what you need to do as the leader slash owner. This is difficult for perfectionists because no doubt entrepreneurs think they can do things better than anyone else, <laughs> especially <laughs> if they created it, right? If mm -hmm. it's your business and you set up the initial processes, you think that you can do it better than anyone else. So you get frustrated when someone comes in, you have to train them and, you know, they fumble and fail and you're like, I could have done it better myself. Why do, you know, this is taking me more time to unscrew it than it would have otherwise. And that's a flaw, right? That's a flaw. That's your ego getting in the way. First of all, other people need to learn and you have to let them fail. And secondly, they don't see the world the same way you do. And they might come up with an entirely new or better process than you or, or iterate your process and it'll end up better. But if you keep interfering and trying to micromanage every little detail, you're going to just end up with the same results and you get stuck. And this actually is a problem with a lot of entrepreneurs. They really get stuck. If they succeed the first year, they usually get stuck you know, at lower, less than a million dollars in revenue because they just won't get out of their own way. Yeah, there's this plateau that you hear time and time again. Right. And, and, and let's say 5% of the entrepreneur world ever breaches it, which is this, this million dollar mark. There's so mm -hmm. many people sitting at those rungs below it. And they got to that rung in 12 months, 24 months and sat there for five years, 10 years. And right. it's, it's time and time again. I totally get what you're talking about. Yeah. And so then mastery is to recognize that in business, I'm talking about is to recognize that every there's different levels that you need to get out of your own way, right? So what it took you to get to a million dollars is not going to be what it takes to get to five. And then that's not going to be what it takes to get to 15 or 20. You know, it might be different for every industry, depending upon the scalability of your model. So your job is to constantly ask who can do this better than I can? Hmm. What should I be doing as the leader right now at this level of the business? You know, just recently, I literally stepped out of the CEO role of one of my businesses because I'm like, I'm not right. I'm not the right person to run Unbeatable right now. There are people who can do it way better than I am, but I, I'm still the owner and I'm still the visionary and the, con you know, the chief content dude, but I'm not doing the day-to-day -day anymore by any stretch of the imagination. That's completely freed me up to do what I should be doing, which is to create. Got it. You managed to remove yourself from the grind is what I'm reading between the lines. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> So I can continue my training for mastery with my team. Yeah, <laughs> my, got it. Got it.
Very cool. Very cool. I'm going to loop back. Let's go into the seal journey because people will sure. be so pissed at me if I don't explore this with you. Cause this is, I, I put out <laughs> a little tweet and a couple of Facebook messages to people asking like, Hey, what should I ask Mark divine? And everyone's like, ask him crazy seal shit. So I, I won't, <laughs> I won't go too deep into that, but I've got a couple of questions I'll run through you and look, feel sure. free to, to, we can go down whatever rabbit hole we wish here, but um, sure. let's start from the start. So what compelled you to become a Navy SEAL? Who, who does that? Because that, that is, to most people, an insurmountable uh, obstacle, even to, to get through BUDS training, which we can talk about in a moment. Mm -hmm. what, what made you decide to go, I'm going to do this? Well, Mike, it's an interesting story. You know, I did not grow up knowing anything about the SEALs, actually. I, you know, I'm from a small place in upstate New York, and military wasn't really talked about in my family. My dad had a, a bad experience in the Army for a few years, and so it's like, wasn't something that was even an option for me, according to my parents. And I went to a liberal arts school and then I went down to Manhattan, got my MBA at NYU Stern School, and I became a certified public accountant. And, you know, I was doing everything right compared, you know, according to our social norms over here in America. And, and, um, but what changed for me was I joined a martial arts studio. I was really intrigued with the martial arts. I didn't have anything in, up in my town in upstate New York. But when I got to Manhattan, I came across a martial arts studio with a grandmaster who had founded the school. It's called Sado. And it turns out that um, this grandmaster, Mr. Nakamura, was also a Zen master. And so we would meditate before and after class. And then every Thursday night, a small group of us meditated with him for 45 minutes. And then he would give a little like Zen talk. And then twice a year, this small group of about 10 or 12 of us would go to the Zen Mountain Monastery in Woodstock, New York for a four-day retreat and meditate. And so I did this for four, you know, well, I did it for a total of four years. Um, but what happened during those four years is my brain com completely changed more than my brain. My whole mind transformed and I started to get a lot of sensations and imagery and, and kind of um, feelings and ideas that I was going down the wrong path, you know, I was like hurtling like a train down into the business world, like, you know, the white collar business world. And, um, it just wasn't right for me. And so I got this, I asked better questions and I would meditate on, on these questions. Like if that's not right for me, what is, and I kept hearing warrior, like warrior was coming up for me, not Navy seal mind you, but warrior. It was like this archetypal urge in me, my soul's calling, so to speak was starting, I was starting to, to be quiet enough to hear that. And one night I was walking home from work and I walked past a Navy recruiter's office and I saw a poster on the window. It didn't say anything about the seals. Remember this is 1986 or 87 now, probably 87. There wasn't any TV shows or movies about the seals. There were only a couple books that I had never read, but on this poster, uh, the top of the poster said, be someone special. And it had pictures of basically seals doing really cool shit. And I didn't know what it was, but I was like, whoa, I stopped my track. And I said, that is interesting. That's really cool. That just spoke to me. So I went back the next day and I asked, you know, who are those guys in that poster? And they said, oh, ho, ho, ho. She goes, those, those guys are called Navy SEALs, Sea Air Land Commandos. You don't want to do that. They're, they're crazy mother efforts, you know? <laughs> and I said, yes, I do. I want to do that. What is, you know, <laughs> how, do do I, how do I do that? Like, how do I sign up for that? It's just one of those things, you know, the type of people attracted the seals, they just know it. You can't, you know, you can't wonder. I didn't wonder, you know, I said, that's it. Cause I knew I was supposed to be a warrior. I just didn't know how. 
But when I found out about the seals, like that's how that's it. You know, if I was supposed to be a fighter jock, I would have stumbled across, you know, the picture of the fighter jet or something like that. And I would have done and That's it. So it was kind of a, it just spoke to you. You saw it that spoke to me ad and you, you'd already had this sort of mental <clears throat> three years Zen experience. You'd become from the sounds of it, very aware of yourself at a relatively young age, the sort of awareness yeah. that a lot of us might not ever even achieve through a lifetime. You'd had this right. master train you and kind of teach you this stuff that, I mean, to be honest, it's the sort of stuff people get to their, to the CEO level of their careers and then decide that they need to work out actually, what do I care about? You right. had the fortunate experience of learning that stuff at the age of 20. So you were very clear on this, on this self. That's factually accurate. I feel very blessed to have quote unquote stumbled or been led to, you know, the teacher, they say when the student's ready, the teacher appears for some reason, you know, I was presented this opportunity at a young age. And I now know why, because I had a lifetime of conditioning and training to undergo both in the seals and out so that I could teach others how to do this, but with an, uh, a Western kind of mindset, a Western language and a Western model, which is what unbeatable mind and seal fit are my two businesses in my books and my podcast, because it's difficult to learn the mental development through the lens of something like Zen or yoga or Tibetan Buddhism, or, you know what I mean? Kung Fu or something, because the teachers are, are limiting a lot of times. And the, 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 the text gets garbled from East to West. Sure. And most Westerners aren't really attracted to the cultural underpinnings. You know, they don't really want to put on a, you know, the robe or the gi or the, this or the, that, and, and to speak Japanese while they're training, you know, I didn't mind it. I just trusted this guy. I trusted him. And um, so I, I did formal Zen with him for four years. I got my black belt, my MBA, my master's in business administration and my CPA or certified public accountancy certificate all in the same month, November of 1989. Then I was on a bus to officer candidate school. So I had been accepted into the SEALs, one of two people that year from the civilian world, not through um, the military academies or the reserve officer training corps program here in the States. And so of the 20, you know, 20 or so officers that went to SEAL training that year, there were two of us, you know, from the civilian world and I was one. Mm. And when I went to SEAL training, there were 185 in my class, which was number 170. And, um, at the end of, by the end of training, there were only 19 of us and I was the honor man and my boat crew of six other individuals. We are all there too. We started and finished together. This is the notorious I, buds course. You yeah, this through, is buds, Mark? the buds training program, mm -hmm. basic underwater demolition seal training. I'm convinced. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it was the Zen training, the meditation combined with some other skills that I kind of laced in, you know, work with imagery or visualization, um, a mantra practice that I had picked up um, just kind of on my own and started practicing it. And these things laced together provided the foundation for what I call these, these four skills that allowed me to just dominate the hardest military training in the world and, and to, to bring my team along because I was able to kind of check my ego and make it about them or us, right? I said, you know what, we're going to get this through, we're going to get through this together. Like we'll all have a better chance getting through this if we support each other, right? If we motivate each other, if we keep each other from <coughs> getting, um, 
you know, mentally defeated or, you know, emotionally weak, right? So if we support each other day in and day out and stay focused and, and we learn these skills that I had learned in the four years prior, you know, we're going to crush this. We're not going to let each other quit. And so our team, you know, we really, we just crushed it. Like we won every evolution in, in hell week, which is a six days of nonstop training. We got secured like five hours early because we, you know, we were just so far superior to the other boat crews or the other teams. We got to go take a warm shower, which we stood in for about an hour and get some dry clothes on and go watch the, the rest <laughs> of the class, get the crap beat out of them. It was very cool. <laughs> It was such a profound experience and Bud's basic underwater demolition seal training is, is incredible training in and of itself. It is arduous, but it's just extraordinary, you know, the transformation that occurs. But it's not the hardest thing seals do by any stretch of imagination. The hard stuff starts after Bud's when you get to a seal team and you start the um, actual platoon training because that's like game on. And then what's harder even then after that is actual combat. So SEAL training, as hard as everyone says it is, and as, as uh, you know, legendary as it is, it's, it's, it's child's play compared to team workups and, um, and actual combat in terms of the intensity and the arduous nature of it, and also the risk. Mm. It's life, literally life or death at, at that yeah. point. It's escalated right. to the point where you could go to a mission and not come back from a mission, which That's is right. pretty pretty amazing to think that that's your day job. <laughs> is... Yeah. The stakes get pretty high in your day job. Yeah. And this is also what um, teaches us in the seals about the power of team. It's a lesson you can't ever unlearn is that when you have to rely on your teammates for your life, for your very life, then you get very clear about what's important and what's not, what to focus on and what not, how to show up with your teammates and how not to show up with your teammates. We have a saying that we earn your trident every day. The trident is the insignia that you earn when you uh, graduate buds. Mm -hmm. But, and so you think, well, yeah, I earned that. Now I'm a Navy SEAL. And the SEALs don't look at it that way. They say, you earned that. Yes, great. Congratulations. Now you got to earn it again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. That means you got to show out and put out 110% day in and day out. Mm -hmm. And you got to show out and put out for your team and for the mission. So mission first, team second, and you come third in that, in that category in that hierarchy and you got to do that every day and, and and develop the skills that you know you need to do to be an exceptional operator as well as a leader and it's it never stops right there there's a little bit of downtime here and there like after deployments and after uh, you know pretty intense missions but then you just get right back into it and just keep charging ahead so you develop this uh, relentless attitude toward uh, self-development and also team development. And they, they're both important because most of your self-development actually occurs with the team, mm -hmm. right? So they become inseparable. And what we realize is that the real strength of the SEALs comes through the team just dominating the battlefield and by figuring things out in a real-time fashion, right? We, we plan very quickly. We know that that plan won't survive contact with the enemy. So then we are very, very adaptable. And, and we, we have this, you know, what I call fast twitch iteration, this ability to iterate and move forward regardless of the obstacles that we know will show up. And we try to anticipate which obstacles will show up. And, and we have standard operating procedures for how to navigate those obstacles. But we're very good at getting creative at solving problems on the fly. 
And it's because we rely on the team and the spontaneous nature of the team to solve problems as opposed to the leader to have all the mm-hmm. answers, which makes us really different than conventional military units and most other special ops. It's more of a, <clears throat> a hive brain rather than just one That's individual right. calling the shots. You're all That's right. working together to make these decisions. But it's a, it's a hive brain that's been trained. Yeah, yeah. It's very different than kind of a hive brain, hive mind like you get in a mob. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Which is dangerous. It's complementary rather than just idiocy. <laughs> that's right, exactly. But, but you are, by sharing that decision-making load, if I, I may be wrong in this, but it feels like having those different perspectives under intense pressure when you're all armed to make good decisions there's potential to make a far better decision than one person always relied on to make that decision at all times because humans are fallible, right? That's right. Yeah. And you may not, you know, as a leader, you may have not have the best perspective. You may be um, fatigued. You may be missing something. So you've got to get everybody's way in and everybody has a voice. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, someone has to make the final call. But, you know, you make the call based upon, you know, the input of everybody. And, you know, so you have a lot of what they now call psychological safety. You have that in the SEALs. People feel, you know, the lowest guy to the most senior guy, you know, they feel completely entitled to tell you you're screwed up if, you're, if your idea sucks. Mm. But then, you know, take it personally, you know. And so you learn very early as a leader that, you know, you don't lead with your opinion. You don't lead with the answer. You lead with the questions. You know, how do you guys think we should do this? You know, where can we go from here? Give me your ideas. Like, how can we do this better? It's kind of what the opposite of that, of the hierarchy, old it's traditional top-down yeah. approach, really, isn't it? It's like, it's totally flat. We, no one's, no one's point of view is more valuable than anyone else's, but let's... No. Not when it comes to operating, you know, in combat or on missions, you will find some of that in the, you know, administrative chain of command or back when you're in, you know, at the team where um, things take on a more of a hierarchical leadership. So there's kind of a hybrid organization that when you're, when you're doing the most important part of your job, which is a mission, you know, the things that we're supposed to be doing, it's a very flat and dynamic, um, you know, roles can change on a dime, right? Because I might be like, holy shit, you know, I'm, I'm exhausted right now. I'm just not thinking clearly, hey, senior chief, you're, you know, you take over, right? Or, you know, you might say to somebody, you know, listen, you know, even as a leader, you know, you might take, you know, weapon from someone who's just suffering or, you know, locked temporarily, <laughs> not not, you know, able to, to pull the trigger accurately and just, you know, lay down some lead for them and say, listen, get, take, take five minutes, breathe, you know, and just get your shit together. Mm. So you got to be very adaptable and, and, um, and, um, able to, um, like I said, check your ego because it's, it's the team that needs to make the best decisions, the team that's going to win the mission. It's not about you. And then when you get done with the op, whether it's a real op or a training op, you know, you sit in what we call a debrief or stand. And that's when you go through every phase of the mission and you, and you pick it apart. What went well, what didn't went well, each individual's role, they pick apart their own role, 
how I did, what I could have done better, what I did well, what I learned. And then other people will give you feedback on that. Maybe, you know, you, what you could have learned, what you missed or what you didn't see at all. And initially those are pretty painful because they're, they're very pointed, but they're not personal. They're for the benefit of the team. So that the new group and the team grows from your mistakes. Everyone can learn from everyone else's mistakes and everyone else's uh, successes. Mm. That evaluation part is, is I think the risk you run into is a lone wolf because your self-evaluation right. is so fallible. Whereas someone in your team evaluating you is reliable because they have perspective. Whereas you only have perspective of yourself. Yeah, you don't you're, have you're inside the bottle. You. you can't read your own label, right? <laughs> so you got to get the feedback of the team. That's why 360 feedback evals are so valuable, you know, mm. and to be doing them routinely. I thought that bit you talked about with, with the mindset, getting you through, through buds and being the, from your perspective, the really the critical thing which held your team together and made you achieve so well, how powerful fostering a mindset can be or a positive mindset can be. And I think when it, people think of Navy SEALs, they think of big, badass dudes and mainly mm-hmm. guns and jumping out of things. But the focus or the narrative is rarely about battle-tested mindsets. I think that that's not the first thing that comes to mind, whereas that's really the first thing you identify with, which I think is really interesting mm-hmm. that that's the case. And obviously, you know, Unbeatable Mind being the name of your business, you, you've championed that idea and continue to grow it. You obviously are all in with that thinking, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's the main thing, Mike. I mean, back to Bud's, you know, the, the hundred and, 66 people or whatever that didn't make it they were eminently fit they were badasses what percentage is the is the people who didn't get through the buds course mark roughly roughly 85 percent on wow. average don't make it and these are all badasses to begin with these yeah, aren't like- yeah i mean even to to be there at the starting line you know you have some you know significant competition right thousands of people want to be there out of the 200 or 100 no maybe 700 or so who start training every year and 185 or 175 or so who graduate, you know, it, it's not, the, the stats are ridiculous, you know? Mm. So they're all tough physically, but it's not the physical toughness that causes them to succeed or fail. That's just a prerequisite. Yep. It's the baseline. And so, Yeah. That's the baseline. Even in the seals um, proper, once you get through, you know, everyone has to be able to do the work, so to speak. And so you got, you know, you do have freaking gorillas and Adonises. And then you also have guys, you, you'd, you'd be sitting next to them in church and we never know they're seals, mm. but they're, you know, they're incredibly fit and they're geniuses, right? So you have all sorts of sizes, shapes, and colors on the, on the seals. And soon you're going to have women. There's not any women yet, but soon you'll have women. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the mental attitude and the resiliency and your ability to be an exceptional teammate, which is really kind of goes into the mental attitude. So I learned that, you know, I honed my mind through the Zen and the martial arts and also my competitive sports, but I also honed it through a practice of these four skills that I um, started doing, you know, before the seals and then i continued and then now teach them as kind of our foundational kind of start here training with unbeatable mind we call them the big four the first is box breathing or breath control training because you know if you 
if you're out of control physiologically, then you're going to be out of control psychologically. And so controlled breathing, breathing through your nostrils, slowing down the breathing and um, getting, you know, in control through the breath is the first step to getting your mind back in order so you can begin to work with the content that's in it, right? That's going to lead to the right decision or the wrong decision. So that's the first skill we teach, box breathing. And the second skill we teach is the ability to curate the quality of your thinking energetically so that you're positive and you're, you have a, um, both the internal and the external dialogue of can do versus can't do of we've got this instead of we're fucked, you know, excuse my language, <laughs> uh, you know, that's, that's why a lot of people quit buds or a lot of people fail missions is they start something and then they start, they stop believing that they can do something or they get fatigued or they get frustrated or, you know, there can be a hundred reasons why their internal dialogue starts to turn south of them or their emotions, you know, start to turn south of them. And then they talk themselves out of it or they talk themselves into an injury or a quit. Yep. And so the second skill is, is managing and curating the quality of your thinking. We call it positivity, but it's not a very good term for it. The third skill is working with imagery. I mentioned that I was, I began to bring imagery into my own personal training. So I learned the power of visualization from my college swim coach. He was a kind of a pioneer in using visualizations for sports training. And I decided to, to pick up on that and to use it for, instead of doing something for becoming somebody. And so we visualize the type of person we need to be with the character we need to present to our team and to our community to be kind of honorable and to develop the attributes of the seal, honor, integrity, courage, discipline. And we see that in our mind's eye, we, we develop an image of that. And then we, we kind of, when you use imagery in a future state like this, what you do is you, you create a memory of, a, you know, a memory of a future that the more you practice, it becomes a probable future. And so instead of practicing a skill, you know, like swimming or a golf swing, we practice a, these attributes in our mind and we become that over time. And also we, we can remember it when the, when the storm hits or you get really fatigued or stressed because we're under, you know, extreme challenge, we, we bring up that image and we remember who we are, who we're meant to be. And it's very motivating. It's, it's kind of the other side of positivity. We got to, not only do you have to talk to yourself positively and, but you have to see it and believe it. And really you can conjure that. that up in times mm -hmm. of need, just go back to That's this right. default to the visualization, which is positive. Get straight right. back into that, that mindset when you need it. I love that. That's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah, and then the fourth skill is kind of attention control, task focusing, like chunking things down to the smallest task and then keeping our attention radically focused on that task until it's done. So in other words, you know, not trying to eat the elephant all at one time, you know, because you might be like eating the ear at one point and then eating the tail at another and then you get bored and go take a bite out of the leg, you know, and, you know, eventually you're, you're really not getting anywhere and you, and you quit. But saying, okay, I'm just going to work on the tail here. <laughs> you know, eat the tail one bite at a time. It's kind of a gross metaphor, but you, don't, you know where I'm going with this. Like <laughs> chunking things down, chunking the totality mm -hmm. of buds, let's say down to just, you know, one phase of buds at a time, and then one week at a time, and then one day at a time, and then one evolution at a time. 
And then when you get to like the hardest part of training, like hell week, you, you don't even do it one evolution at a time. You do it, you know, one 10 minute block at a time, you know, or one breath at a time, eventually, you know, if it gets excruciating. So you chunk it down to the smallest component that, you know, if you do that task, it'll lead you forward where doubt is eliminated through that action. And then you do the next task and then the next task. And what's cool about this task focusing and attention control is that by the time you get 40% complete, you've already, you've already completed because you can't, you've developed so much confidence and momentum that there's no going back. Jeez, I think that's so powerful. So much of what you talk about, uh, Mark, there's these, these parallels. Even when I was listening to your podcast, there's these real parallels between the sort of methods and behaviors that, that SEALs are using or that you've used and ways that we can potentially leverage those, especially people who are perhaps creating a career from their ideas or trying to, you know, they come up against these mental obstacles day after day after day, especially the solo operators. Um, So what I think think we'll do, we're going to play a little bit of a game. Let's just see how this goes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to describe a situation that I personally might encounter on any given day. And then mm. I'd like to know what the Mark Divine Seal approach is to combat this situation. Sure. Before we start that, let me be clear. I'm teaching this to business people, to creators, to authors. You know, I, I actually have very few Navy SEAL clients compared to the rest because they there's may, just not yeah. many Navy SEALs out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. I, might, so I might train 20 or 30 a year. Everyone else is a, you know, everyday person. So they work. Yep these skills work regardless of whether you want to be a Navy SEAL or, or a, a stay-at-home mom or mm. an internet entrepreneur. So the context is, is <laughs> totally, uh, it's, it's adaptable to any context, really. It, it right. could be an entrepreneur, it could be a high flyer corporate, it could be someone who is, as you said, stay-at-home mom, whatever it is. I guess that's the beauty of principles and methods. They sit mm-hmm. above everything that we do and they trickle mm-hmm. down to our actions and if we've got, if we're really clear on them, then we should, it should mean that the actions that we take are in a process that ensures that we'll get success or Absolutely. a greater likelihood of success. Well said. Let's try okay. a couple of these and let's see how we go. So this is me. Okay. I've woken up this morning. This is not literally me today because I'm in a very good mood today, but on any given day, I've woken up this morning, I have a stacked dance card, Mark. I've got tasks. I've got deadlines. I've got to complete them all, like I've committed to them. But for some reason, I'm just not feeling it. I just want to sit here in my PJs and watch The Last Samurai on repeat. So what do I do to rerail the the motivation for my day? Well, let me just assume that you've showed up at this point and you've done a little bit of training with Mark DeMine. Yep. (laughs) Okay. So when you wake up and you're like, man, I'm not feeling it today. Well, first off, that very first thought you don't allow in your head. When you, what you do when you wake up is you immediately in, initiate your positive mantra. So you don't allow a negative thought like that to come into your mind. You train it out, right? You still might feel a little fatigued. You still might be like, boy, I wish I had a vacation day today. But that's irrelevant. You immediately start your positive mantra, which is going to crowd out and not allow the thought of I can't to come in. Then you're going to grab a fresh glass of water 
and you're going to drink, you know, a quart or a liter of water. And you're going to drink that water with gratitude, right? Because that water is critical for you to, to maintain a performance mindset and, and physiology because you've just expelled a ton of, um, of water out of your system at night and your, your battery needs to be topped off, so to speak, right? Because your body uh, at, a, at a physiological level functions with neurochemicals and electricity and it's 78% water. And, and guess what? At, after a big, nice sleep, you're down to like 76%. I'm just making that up, but you've, you've lost a lot of water. You need to rehydrate. And that's going to immediately send signals of like, ah, you know, you just know how good you feel after drinking a nice fresh glass of water in the morning or, you know, after a, a strong workout, and you're just like, ah, which then continues that positivity. And then you reinforce that by being grateful for the water and being grateful for this day. And then you're not going to, you know, rush into work, right? You're not going to pick up your iPhone and wonder what other urgent tasks, you know, have landed on your plate today. You're going to carve out some time to win in your mind before you step foot into the battle of your day. And so then you're going to uh, go sit quietly and you're going to practice. You're going to do your morning practice. That practice includes box breathing, which is your, you know, your anti-stress warding off stress and preparing your mind you're putting on your mental armor with your box breathing practice and that practice includes a mental review of the tasks that you have to perform today and uh, you review them from the position of mastery like you, you're just dominating them the obstacles are, are easily overcome the tasks are easily accomplished and you show up you know as the teammate and the leader you need to be because you've been practicing that image right? That we just talked about a little while ago. Then when that's done, you take a look at your task list for the day or whatever your plan is, assuming you have one. If you have no plan, then you better create one because, you know, at least you have to have a plan. Now, you also don't expect that plan to survive contact, but you have a plan. But within the context of that plan, you identify what's the most important target. What's the single thing that if I accomplish that, I'm, I've won the day. I know I'm a winner. So choose that most important thing and you decide to do that first. And you don't move on until you get that done unless something you know, more important and urgent kind of replaces it. Then you press pause in that and take care of the other thing, then come back. So that way, um, then you step, you know, step out and go do whatever you do. For me, that includes going into my physical training. So then I'll do my yoga, I'll do some more meditation practice, and then I'll do my physical workout. And uh, for me, I don't really start kind of task focused work, you know, like doing work until 10 a.m. every day. Mm. I carve out all that time from, you know, 530 to 10 to to win in my mind and to and to train for mastery. And what happens is I'm very clear about what's important, what's not important, what what's my most important target. I get it done because I'm I've already won it in my mind and um, I'm able to uh, my 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 sense of willpower is indomitable. So I'm able to say no to people and to not take on commitments and tasks and things that I shouldn't be taking on. Or, you know, now that's easier for me as a business owner or, but you know, it was not always easy for me. And even as a SEAL leader or an employee in past positions, I took on more than I needed to because I just never learned to say no and have a, a credible reason why it's not the right thing for me to take on and people will dump all sorts of things on you. And we take it on thinking, Oh, it's going to make us look good. Or, 
you know, I'm trying to help out, but then it distracts us from what we really should be doing. That's going to move the dial for us in our career and our business. We, we become victims or slaves, I should say, to the task list instead of taking time to really ask, is this the right thing? Is there a more important way, more important thing I could be doing right now that's going to lead to greater results or going to move me closer to my end of, uh, objectives? Am I clear about what I really want for those end objectives? If I'm not, you know, I could be doing all these tasks and, and I could be 15 degrees off from where I actually want to end up. So take time to get really clear to, you know, continue to visualize what end results you want. So all of that happens in the morning before, even in your PJs, but you don't turn on the last samurai. You do, you do this mental work mm. to win before you go out the door. There's a priming stage. I love sure. my key takeout from that was, well, aside from the fact that you unpacked that so comprehensively, <laughs> geez, there was like 10 methods in there, but that <laughs> <laughs> if you- They're all important and valuable though. Are they, <laughs> well, they, I mean, you've touched on so many that I personally- try to embrace and but have learned through trial and error mm -hmm. but that you systematically were able to just riff those roll those off it, i feel like i'm talking to a human productivity machine but that's all right <laughs> now, <laughs> the the prime not my I, specialty but i i have learned something about it wow like no it's it's, it's very impressive the the priming stage i think is super super valuable in and of itself just that people like you said and myself, I've been guilty of this as well until I kind of became conscious of it, is just starting to act before really getting uh, squared away in the mind. Like for mm -hmm. me, it's a bit of meditation. For you, it's, it's, you've got your own routine. But to start doing before you're mentally in the right headspace is such a trap mm -hmm. because then you right. get pulled into this latest and loudest behavior and it, right. and it ru rules your day, right? You're right. following the dance, not leading the dance. I guess. That's right. Yeah. Now, so once, once you get into the day, then there's a kind of mini version of this that you use to maintain control of the narrative and to not get sucked into being reactionary and to saying yes to things that, you know, you shouldn't, and to just make generally make better decisions. And the, in the SEALs, we use the acronym uh, PBTA, it stands for pause, breathe, think, and act. And so anytime, you know, you get hit with something and it could be, you know, a, a, an interruption, you know, your boss steps in your door or, you know, an employee steps in and dumps something on you or the phone rings or the, that email comes and you're like, causes your, you know, your throat to constrict and be like, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> you just pause, right? You don't let that reaction overtake you. Just pause. Don't respond you know, don't get all heated and launch into an opinion or, you know, a battle. Just pause and then take a few deep breaths through your nose. And what that does is it resets you, right? You talked about priming this kind of like resets you. So then you can prime an appropriate response. So take as many breaths as you want, you know, whatever is happening, unless it's a, a serious crisis, like, you know, someone's getting attacked or there's a fire, you know, even then you want to pause, take a single breath and just ask what's the best action right now. Don't react. What's the best action and response I can take right now. And they're going to end up with a much better 
solution than if you just react. But if it's like an email or your boss or, you know, you just pause and take a few breaths and, you know, don't be rude or anything, but just take a few breaths and say, well, you know, and it might be taking that few breaths might be saying, hang on, just hang on just a second. Let me, uh, let me collect my thoughts or let me reflect on this. And then you just breathe into it. And what you're doing is kind of opening up your whole mind. You're opening up your, you know, the totality of the resources that are available to you, as opposed to contracting into, you know, that linear thinking, which has now just been interrupted and and then it's fear-based. And so now you just trigger some fear-based reaction that you're going to regret. I can't tell you, you know, how many times this happened to me before I learned this. And I just wish the hell I had learned this earlier in my life, you know? (laughs) And so pause, breathe, and then you think clearly, you know, and thinking has another kind of aspect to it. We use the term OODA loop or observe, orient, and decide. So you observe what's really happening. And that might be asking better questions and taking in information and doing a little research and, you know, developing situational awareness. Then you orient yourself to that information because situations change. You have something that's interrupted your day and your normal flow of work or your, your whatever you were focusing on. Now you got to orient to that. Say, what does this mean for me? And then with all that information, you have, you know, maybe two or three courses of action that you could take, be they small or large, and then you decide on which is the most appropriate one. And then you act on that. Of course, you're going to use the task focusing attention control technique of chunking that down to the lowest or the smallest arc, you know, smallest task that lead to success, the arc of success. And then you take that action. So this is how we stay in control during the day and and don't become a slave to other people's agendas or social media or negative news, right? We just stay in control. We don't let the other people dictate our agenda. We don't let other people dictate our quality of our thoughts and emotions. You don't get drawn up in dramas. We get to write the script of our life day in and day out. Mm, Who doesn't want that? PBTA. BTA, pause, breathe, pause, breathe, think, action. Man, that is that is a powerful one. I really like that. Yeah, simple but powerful. Simple, simple is in and of itself powerful. I find anything that's that's too complex, it just goes out the window, especially under pressure situations. You just can't bring it back. So I can see that the beauty of simplifying these things. But the human brain, you know, the linear left cause and effect brain, left hemisphere brain is. loves complexity. It loves complexity and it loves distraction. So we have a saying, simple is not easy. I'm sure you've heard that. Simple Mm. is not easy because it really requires you to see the the whole and to step away from the doing. And so it takes time. It's more a reflective, kind of receptive, creative process to get to simple. You can't get there from the, the linear left brain thinking that got you to where you are right now through the complexity. Mm. It's like the the saying, which I'm going to just mash through is along the lines of the, the greatest design is the simplest design, design and functionality. So to make mm-hmm. that, that app or whatever it is to be one button when it could mm-hmm. be 50 is, you know, the truest expression of that in design functionality and things and that sort of That's thinking. Right. So I can see the, the value in that. I can, I'm definitely guilty of overcomplicating things. And then l- I'm learning as I get a little bit older to pull back and kind of 
pare it down and, and think about the person you're trying to communicate it to, what are just the core elements that they need to know? The rest of the right. stuff, the icing can all come later, but just bring it really down to just the most concise, communicatable elements is such an art form. I think that you just, again, it, with mastery, it comes with time. That's right. And plus, as we talked about at the beginning, your team might have better icing than you anyways. So <laughs> you could spend all this time trying to bake the perfect cake. Someone right. has a look at it and just goes, mate, you should have just, you, you should have given us the recipe. <laughs> we would have done a much better job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do one more of these just quickly, Mark, because you, there was just so much value in just one of these. And I had like five of them planned, but we don't need to go into that depth, but there's one I want to talk about, especially because I think it's something that all of us, will encounter in our lives again and again and again, and that is failure. So let's just say I spent six months working on something. The big launch came up. I was pumped about it. I executed and it fizzled and I'm feeling mm -hmm. crushed. You know, in, a, in, the, in the context of a seal, I guess things can go wrong very, very quickly. And when they go wrong, it's life or death. So this is, in another planet in terms of importance, but I believe the method on how I might deal with this and how a seal might deal with this, there's probably something that can be shared there. So what would be the process to pick yourself back up? How do you, how do you recover when you're feeling devastated or you just, things just go to shit? Yeah, there's a lot to say about this. Um, yeah, seals always have things that don't work out the way they uh, initially intended or, or, maybe foresaw and we've trained ourselves to make those learning moments. And so we don't, we have this term, there's no such thing as failure. It doesn't mean we can't fail. It means we don't recognize the word failure. We recognize that there's winning and there's learning. And so you just had a learning moment. Good job. You know, that's, that's equally as valuable as winning. And the way I look at that is the way you were trying to do it was not the right way. And so even if you had had a limited success, it, it probably would have failed in the long run because it wasn't the right way. And so the universe is saying, try again. Not that you suck or you're a jerk or, you, you know, you don't know anything or, you know, you're such a failure. You got to go lick your wounds for days. It's just that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give you this lesson because you were heading down the wrong path with this. There's a better way to do it. There's a different way to do it. You need to go learn. Mm. And if you don't learn the next time, you know, it'll be even more painful. <laughs> Double down. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's winning and there's learning and you, you learn you part of that learning is to expect the challenges and to expect not everything to work out. And so you're not blindsided by it. You just roll right through it. In fact, that's the ultimate uh, form of resiliency is to expect things not to work out, to be pleasantly surprised when they do. And even suspicious when they do. <laughs> like, hmm, what did I miss? Holy cow. <laughs> Why did this work so well unexpectedly? Why did this work so well? Like, yeah, I thought it'd be all gooned up like the last time. So we don't expect perfection. We're, we're a work in process. Every mission, you know, SEALs think, oh, you know, people think seals are so unique in that, you know, we do things like with this precision and most seals will tell you that everything is a goat rope, you know, 
That's our term for FUBAR, effed up beyond all repair. But we get the job done. It doesn't have to be perfect. We just have to get the job done and learn from, from the mistakes or from the things that didn't go as well as we wanted them to. So then we just keep learning and growing and learning and growing. And so we just, you know, we create this upward spiral of learning growth and we do that at a team level so that that's where you get the 20 times um, growth is that the whole team is learning and growing. It's a real problem when you have someone on your team who's not learning and growing because then very quickly they will become the limiting factor. They'll mm-hmm. become the, the broken, you know, pin that, that brings the whole system down, mm-hmm. you know? So a team, you know, it's, it's not an arithmetic equation. It's geometric, a team that is firing all cylinders, learning and growing together and working together in the spirit of harmony to accomplish a mission has a geometric a capacity to solve problems and to be creative and to get shit done 20 times more than an individual is what we say. This, of course, it's not a formula that has been tested. It's just our, it's just a fun way to, um, to kind of explain the concept. And it's, it's something you can get your head around in terms of, you know, who doesn't want 20 times performance improvement or that, that is, that is a number that you go, yep, that's just big enough and audacious enough for me to want it. But it's not exactly. Yeah. Why not 20, 20x your business revenue and profits and 20x your fitness and health and 20x your relationships and your passion? Why not 20x your personal finance? You can do all of that, mm. but you got to have the right team and you've got to learn to learn to learn, basically. Mm-hmm. And then you have to have a uh, show up and do it right every single day attitude. Day by day in every way, we're going to get stronger and better. Hooyahe. Let's say I'm new to, this is the first time I've ever heard of Mark Divine today. This is someone listening to this Doing Epic Stuff podcast. And I, I, I want to forge this mindset. I want to become this person I think I can. Mark's the guy I want to work with to do this. Where do I start my journey? I, I'm, I can't get in touch with him directly, perhaps, because you know this COVID situation is preventing me to in-person course or whatever. What should I read books first? Should I jump on one of his online courses first? What action do I take, Mark? Mm-hmm. Good question. Drop down and do a hundred burpees for starts. <laughs> okay. Then, then go, <laughs> there's two actions that you could take. One is to go to unbeatablemind.com slash challenge. And we have a 30 day challenge, which is a 15 minutes training cool. every day. That's video based and journaling. And I lead all the training and I teach all these skills in a kind of an introductory principle based level. It's an extraordinary program. Sounds great. And then um, buy the unbeatable mind book. Cause that's gives us the, um, there's two books that are really powerful. Unbeatable mind has the underlying kind of philosophy and uh, methodology. And then the way of the seal is really kind of the leadership um, personal leadership aspect of this training. And I have a few other books too, but those are good places to start. And those are available at Amazon or wherever you buy books. You know, to learn more about me, you know, there's my personal website, markdivine.com, which is kind of under development for a new version, but you know, the old version still has all the requisite info. And then also I have a podcast, Mark Divine's Unbeatable Mind, which is um, in the top 10 in health and wellness on Apple. 
So that people get a lot of value out of that because I get to interview other people who have an unbeatable mind. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's a great concept. I, like I've only listened to one episode and it was you just riffing about right. mindset. And there was so many takeouts from that one episode. It was ridiculous. So I think again, I talked about the Pabuda concept in that one, by the yeah, way. So correct. That's the second time you heard it. Correct. And uh, awesome. Pe Pesla, I think you talked about Pesla, as well. Yeah. But um, uh, let's not unpack that. People can go and find that for themselves. They have to, right. you know, they have to enter into the Mark Divine journey. Uh, <laughs> I can vouch for the value that is in there. Like it's, just, there's just so much. Um, and look, I'd like to have you back again, Mark. Sure. And when I have you back again, I'm just going to ask you to unpack a few like seal stories, some bits and bobs like that. Today, I wanted to talk about, you know, specifically more in the context of people are trying to create and trying to maintain that journey because that's the journey I'm on at the moment. It's a lot of just like slogging and getting up and grinding, trying to right, create right. this career out of your ideas. But, uh, you know, I think A, people will haze me if I don't have you back on and ask you some more SEAL type <laughs> questions. And B, I'm personally interested. I want to unpack things like we'll talk about sort of maybe mindset in combat sports and stuff like that. Oh, that'd so, be fun. Yeah. But, but okay. otherwise, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on, Mark. I will be conscious of your time and not drag you through more questions at the moment. But is there any, any last touch, anything else you'd like to, to promote or talk about before I let you go? No, this has been great. You're a great interview and I really appreciate uh, you doing this. And it's important that um, people take responsibility for developing their own mental toughness and resiliency because nobody else is going to do it for you. If you're not training yourself, the world's training you. And guess what? The world wants you to be weak. So don't let that happen. Take responsibility for training your own mind and emotions and body and uh, be the leader that you want to be, that you know you can be. Mm. it starts now the world needs us to step up and be strong thanks for listening to this episode of the doing epic stuff podcast you can find all the latest happenings on the website, doingepicstuff.com or our Instagram, Instagram forward slash doingepicstuff. We out.